Hello and welcome to episode 19 of Because I've Lost Control of My Life, the podcast that always cheats at miniature golf. I am Matthew, and sitting here with me is my good buddy and co-host, Adam. You aren't getting any free games from us. Don't even try it. <laughs> we, we also... Uh, Little do people know, we we actually run a miniature golf course and we rip people off regularly. We cover the holes, the, the hole that says hole in one <laughs> so that we stuff it with newspaper so you can't uh, can't get it. Yeah, those those I believe those holes come standard from the cheat everyone corporation or some, some such <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> uh, how are you doing, you classy gentleman drinking wine? <laughs> yeah, I'm getting wine drunk tonight, folks. <laughs> I said folks. I don't say folks. <laughs> That's my thing, I think. Do you? I think I say folks. <laughs> I don't know if I say it on here, but I say it quite a lot, folks. <laughs> See you I next got... week, hosers. <laughs> <laughs> I got my first massage from a man. <laughs> oh, was it a Turkish man? No, it was a slob. <laughs> <laughs> Just to clarify, he did not say a slob. He said a slob. <laughs> a slob with a hard B. <laughs> He's like, he's got his mask like under his nose and he's like, <laughs> like every five seconds. he did a good job, though. <laughs> and he and he makes more money than I do at my job. So I'm not being. <laughs> but he was sniffing you. He, no, he wasn't <laughs> sniffing me. He just, uh, I don't know, does coke or something. <laughs> well, when you're a masseuse, that's a slob that makes a lot of money. You can afford coke, I guess. The cocaine kind, not the the kind in the South. The idea, like, I don't know, is it weird to tip somebody that makes more money than you? <laughs> you should leave a note next time that says, "I felt it was weird to tip someone who makes more money than me." So go fuck yourself. I mean, I'm I'm completely for tipping. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, he had to touch my body, so <laughs> I guess I guess I have to like. <laughs> that, that was his consolation prize. <laughs> it just you just give him a note with a 20 inside that just says i'm so sorry <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's uh that's crazy massages the only one i've ever had was the one in turkey by the the old hairy turkish man who beat you up badly <laughs> who beat me up badly but then i felt amazing afterward uh, <laughs> he beat you up in the right way <laughs> he beat me up the good way <laughs> uh so how's your week been sir other than the massage, what, oh, my optical drive died in my computer. So, oh god! Now I'm ordering a desktop. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be uh, upgrading. I'm gonna no longer be working on from a laptop that I bought in 2014. <laughs> are you uh, just gonna build one from scratch then, pre-made one, or are you gonna try and make a really powerful one? What you doing with it? <laughs> uh, I kind of like customized one from Dell, which was probably yeah. like the way to get the least bang for my buck but that's what that's what i did if there's one thing adam knows how to do is to get the least bang for his buck yeah. <laughs> i uh speaking of computers my gaming pc i may have mentioned this on the show before but i i had taken it to a uh a repair shop in town here because it had started running really really slow and like ragged um and it's from 2016 and it's a even by today's standards, it's a pretty powerful gaming laptop. And they've had it for like a month. And it, I can't get straight answers from them. At first, they thought, it's like, well, we need to order a new battery. And when I gave it to them, it was turning on and it was working, albeit slowly. And then they're like, well, now it turns on, but it won't like boot or anything. So I don't know if it was just on the verge of dying or if those losers ruined my old laptop. 
<laughs> they like crammed a battery that wasn't made for it. <laughs> <laughs> they just got some double A's and started pounding them into the keyboard with a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I went over there finally because I was like, I haven't heard anything. So I was like, hey, what's up? He's like, well, he's not here. And it's like the laptop wasn't on their shelf. And then, of course, me and my 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 paranoid mind, I'm like, hmm, did they take it home to play all the Resident Evil games that I have on there? <laughs> <laughs> but um, hopefully I get that back soon. So it'll, it will be cool if you get this new uh, desktop then, because then we can play some games together, maybe. Yeah, it'll definitely be more powerful than this laptop, which I also bought from Dell, but like, yeah, six years ago. Yeah, that's what seven this, years ago. That's what this one was too, Adele from 2016. But I think I got it on like a not Black Friday. Cyber, is it Cyber Monday? Yeah, Cyber Monday. It was like a, a some a grand and something, and I think I got it for like six or seven hundred. Really, really good deal. It worked really Jeez. well for a long time. But yeah, and I think it was a flash sale on top of that. It was like a fifteen. I was planning on buying it anyway, like during Cyber Monday, and then they had like a flash moment where like even more money came off, and I was like, "Fuck, Jesus, yeah." So, um, do you end up finding a place to live? Uh, oh God, funny story about that. I've gotten to the point where buying a house seems like a better option, just because in the area there's more of that, and the waiting list for list for all the rentals are like extremely lengthy. And looked at a house on Monday, really, really liked it, actually put in an offer on it, and then found out from a realtor that one, uh, the owner did not accept my offer, and two, did not even accept the offer that was for the most money. So I don't know what that's all about. I don't know if they're like selling to a family member or a friend or what. And like, I didn't really want to buy a house. But at this point, I'm just like, fuck it. Also, it was really, really nice with a finished basement. I was like, I'm going to live down here and be a troll. (laughs) But uh, You're going to get your uh, scraps thrown down. (laughs) Locked down there and scraps thrown down the stairs. Um, but yeah, it, it, uh, it's frustrating. Um, and there is a, I mean, there are some places, but it's like everything because since COVID is like extremely inflated as far as buying a house. And on top of that, the houses are either like everything's overpriced, but there's really, really nice. And there's garbage. There's no in between. (laughs) And this house was like. The one in between house. <laughs> and I was like, fuck it. Gotta take it. And um, no such luck. So I uh, like an empty lot of land and some like refrigerator so you can live in their boxes. <laughs> <laughs> or in a tent. Put a tent oh, inside yeah, the refrigerator. Tent. That might be easier. <laughs> than living inside of a refrigerator. No, the boxes for the refrigerator. Oh, okay, okay. I don't want to even you, use you, the refrigerator. I'll just throw the refrigerator yeah, out. You, it's like, I just need you, the box. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hey, if Rugrats has taught me anything, it's that you can live inside of a box. It's all my imaginations. It's what important. My imagination is what is important. But anyway, so uh, let's get right to the topic of the show today. What did we watch for this week? We watched Angelica's in Love, written by Paul Germain. He's the creator. He's written a number of good episodes. Uh, They pull him out every once in a while to actually (laughs) (laughs) bang something out. (laughs) They let him out of his basement. They let him out of his basement. And uh, this one is there's a new greasy baby in town <laughs> and Angelica has the hots for him. But after his, her attempts to catch his eye go unnoticed, Tommy suggests they trick him into thinking she could die. 
Uh, yeah, there's there's not much well, to these episodes plots tonight. No, there really isn't. I like both of them, but as they're far good. as plot, yeah. there there there's not like a lot to discuss. So this may be the shortest episode ever, not dealing with the reboot. So how do we begin this episode? So this episode begins with Drew driving Angelica home from Tommy's house, and she's very wistful and distracted, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's like a film monologue or something. Yeah, she has some, like, internal monologue about, like... Fun? Sure, I remember fun. But that was before. Before him. How do you begin to tell your dad about him? About the boy that got away? About falling in love? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Everybody meets their first true love when they're three years old. Yeah, and uh, then it kind of flashes back to... uh, them arriving at Tommy's house. <laughs> all the babies are... Wait, no, she's she's talking about how, like... It all started this morning when Daddy dropped me off at Aunt Didi's house. Oh, honey, you're going to have so much fun today. It was going to be the usual thing. Daddy heading for a weekend at the office while I had to take care of the babies. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine if that was, like, literal... Like, how yeah, would she I mean, actually take care of them? I mean, she's, as we discussed last week on the show, uh, or maybe two weeks ago, she's she's prevented them from dying several times. But I don't know if Angelica's up to actually taking care of them. No, I, I think it's like a, it's kind of like she's like a bored housewife who has to stay home with the baby while <laughs> her husband's always at work. <laughs> He's spending another weekend at the office. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just imagining, like, imagining Drew, like, camping inside of his investment bank or it's like the episode of the office when jim is is uh transferred to i think it's to new york and they're like playing call of duty in the office late at night and spending the night and andy gets hammered (laughs) (laughs) he's probably just like going home to plow his wife (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna say a work retreat but that also seems probable (laughs) daddy's gotta work this weekend we're going to drop you off at Uncle uh, Stu and Dee's. Working to plow his wife. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say I'm going to plow your mother. <laughs> this is the first reference to plowing on this podcast. He's going to, it's like a Homer Simpson moment. And what are your reasons for wanting a little brother? Don't say revenge. Don't say revenge. Uh, revenge? That's it. I'm getting out of here. Uh, Homer Simpson in his brain is one of the great things about television in our lifetime. Yeah, I know. Shut up, brain, or I'll stab you with a Q-tip. I had that so- come come to me. I, I I need to bring this up. I I I don't remember where I was, but I oh I, I remember what it was. I was at uh my new job talking to somebody about a new technical aspect of it this past Monday for like a partial orientation, and I kind of knew what the lady was talking about. And in my head for a moment, I had the 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 Patty wedding thing. Where Homer's like, but anyway, <laughs> he was thinking of Gary Glitter when he was back at his job. Gary Glitter. Why is that reference that not did. hitting me? Well, he's a piece of shit. <laughs> oh, okay. But he wrote that. He wrote that song. Oh, okay. The da 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 da. Hey, da 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 da. The hockey song. Oh, it's a hockey song. <laughs> they play it at hockey. <laughs> I only know it because it's Homer Simpson. I don't know what a hockey is. <laughs> I know how to hockey a loogie. 
Anyway, back to the baby show. That was a tangent. See, Angelica's like rough handling, rough uh, manhandling the babies <laughs> as soon as she gets there. And uh, Dee Dee comes out and she's like, Tommy, your new friend is here. And uh, we get this like <laughs> little ugly baby that looks like Moses lack with a pompadour. <laughs> <laughs> That's a perfect description. And he's wearing a leather jacket and jeans, and because he's a, a badass kid, he's riding a bike, this being a uh, big wheels, of course. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I think he, he's voiced by uh, Pamela Adlin again. Like, yeah. Uh, it's Bobby Hill again. This exact voice shows up a lot for a lot of different characters. Yeah, <laughs> they, they liked her work. They brought her back for uh, different babies. Yeah. So he's like, what, four? Well, Angelica says he was a four year old's dream on a five year old's bike. So <laughs> I'm going to assume he's four years old. And he comes over and he's talking to each of the, the babies individually. And I kind of love this. Oh, he's like mentoring them. Yeah, yeah. He's like the, the older wise baby, even though he's beyond being a baby. Um, he's talking to Phil and Lil uh, and saying like, But don't you two ever get tired of doing everything together? I mean, don't you ever just want to be yourselves? Oh, we are ourselves. Angelica, I think it, I think it's at this point where she like jumps out of the bushes and like gets at his face. Hi <laughs> and my favorite one of these is when he's talking to Chucky and he says, you know, Chucky, there's no reason to be afraid of oatmeal. And Chucky says, it's not really the oatmeal I'm afraid of. It's a guy on the box with the scary hat. And I'd like to think that what it really is, is Chucky's like fears for religious fundamentalism. He's afraid of the Quakers. <laughs> 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 the Quakers were pretty, uh, pretty okay. <laughs> yeah, as far as like religions from the yeah. uh, pre-revolution. Go. I just, I just wanted to make the joke that Chucky is afraid of religious fundamentalism. <laughs> uh, but anyway, he's when he talks to Tommy, he's talking about education. He's like, "See, Tommy, you start with preschool, then there's kindergarten, and then you go to college." Uh oh. <laughs> so when you're in kindergarten you're almost a grown-up yeah <laughs> no you're not a grown-up till you're like nine or ten years old yeah yeah when you can drive <laughs> <laughs> whenever he's talking to chucky uh angelica throws her cynthia doll on the ground <laughs> he's like uh oh help help i seem to have dropped my doll i'm way too weak to pick it up myself Hoping that uh, Dean, the uh, the greaser baby, yeah. will come out and give it to her. But uh, Chucky does. Here, Angelica. Thanks, Chucky. What do I do? Uh, and what happens when, she, when uh, he's with Tommy? When he's with Tommy, she jumps out of the sand in the sandbox. <laughs> <laughs> you can't have me. You can't have me. You can't have me. I'm just imagining, that like. How big is this yard and how little attention are people paying that she managed to, like, bury herself in the sand with no one noticing? I know. And actually, after she yells that, they both kind of ignore it. And Tommy goes, so when you're in kindergarten, you're almost a grown up. That's where yeah. that line goes. Yeah. <laughs> 
there's like so little acknowledgement of her. They're just like, okay, Angelica's fucking weird. <laughs> but then we see Dean off by himself, like with a toy screwdriver, quote unquote, repairing his big wheel. <laughs> and Angelica reveals to the baby that she is in fact in love with him. And they're trying to figure out a way to get him to realize that she's alive. But he doesn't even know I'm alive. <laughs> and they suggest, well, first of all, what? They suggest crying, like to get his attention, like a baby would. He, well, I think it's more like uh, he goes, when I want attention, I cry. And so my mom thinks there's something wrong. So I come and she comes and she uh gets me but yeah you know we can make it seem like there's something wrong <laughs> and so he'll come and help you so it was kind of like it's the same suggestion he doesn't ever suggest just crying that's true and the ultimate thing that they decide on is if angelica's on a runaway wagner um <laughs> <laughs> then dean might might notice her because she's in trouble it's too bad you can't do like those cowboys on tv what do you mean well Whenever a cowboy meets a girl, she's always on a runaway wagon, and the cowboy guy's to save her. But how are we gonna get a runaway Wagner? And yeah. so they so they hitch Spike up to a little red like stereo flyer, I believe they're called. Yeah, <laughs> they try to make it look like she's going to uh, get killed or something. <laughs> And Spike is just standing there. <laughs> I and, sent you like that picture, uh, of the screen cap I took, and it's kind of like a painting or whatever. The, the yeah. characters all just look very still. Spike looks like <laughs> he doesn't have a brain. And because they're like, because it's like uh, pulled back, there's not as much detail on it. So it's almost like impressionistic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, though. But there's like a, a hornet or a bee or something flying around Spike's tail and Spike swats at it with his own tail, and the hornet jabs him and then goes running. Hmm, looks like it's working. Angelica is actually in danger here <laughs> from this yeah. runaway Wagner. And uh, then... What Dean? He uh he comes on his big wheel and he rides as fast as he can and he <laughs> manages to launch himself off of it and onto yeah. Spike's back <laughs> and he uh slows him down like a horse. Like a horsey. Yeah, it's like a classic uh, Western thing, like in the John Wayne movie Stagecoach or something. Spike jumps over the neighbor's fence, like with Angelica in the way. Oh, yeah, yeah. Th that's something I wanted to bring up is there's this random little gap in the fence that like Dean drives through to get to her. It's like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> yeah, they, they knocked it over whenever. Uh, oh, OK. If Spike had cleared it, Angelica would be dead. <laughs> <laughs> just slams head first into it and that is actually not the first slamming head first into something in uh the segments tonight but we'll get to that in the next one <laughs> but it's at that moment when he finally slows spike down uh dean that is finally notices angelica say angelica yeah you know you look kind of nice for a girl i mean <gasps> i do yeah and uh <clears throat> before we know it He's singing her the ABCs on his like one string baby guitar. <laughs> it's like completely tuneless. Like like a he may as well have like a rubber band. 
Now I know my ABCs. Next time, won't you sing with me? This is almost as good as Chucky's wind-up guitar from last week. Tommy's wind-up guitar. <laughs> yeah. All right, thing. Did I say Chucky? Yeah, you said Chucky. I meant Tommy. <laughs> the right thing. The right thing. Looking for a fight? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Little Ralph Wiggum threatening to beat kids. <laughs> I'm in danger. But I, uh, there's a great moment as they're sitting there by the sandbox uh, where Dean is like, I want to read you a poem that, that makes me think of you. And she's like, you can read? He's like, sure, I'm advanced. And there's just like bongo music in the background. Like yeah, it's in yeah. some like beatnik coffee shop or something. <laughs> <laughs> And that actually makes me think of something from a Beavis and Butthead episode I watched recently where they wind up in a coffee shop and Beavis becomes Cornholio. And like all the beatniks are like obsessed with like his like spewing of like <laughs> Beatniks were still a problem in the 90s. <laughs> now they're only a problem in Boulder, Colorado. We uh, skipped over it at, at some point, but there's a similar scene where he's talking to the babies about, he quotes uh, Dr. Seuss, and he goes, Tommy, it's not the things you do, it's the things you think. Wow, did you make that up? Nope, I read it in Dr. Seuss. Have you guys ever heard of a book called The Cat in the Hat? It changed my life. Like he had read Kerouac or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or some life-changing, life-altering book. I, I do like this character of Dean, and I kind of wish he had come back. And I'll get to that in a minute. But eventually they're sitting and talking to each other, and it looks like they're about to kiss each other finally. And the babies are like, It looks like they're going to eat each other's faces or something. Just as they're about to kiss, Dean's mom calls him. He has to leave. And Angelica's like, Is it another woman? Yeah, my mom. That's very reminiscent of uh, the Big House, uh, Big House Baby. What the hell is that? The, one I think it's just the Big House. The Big House. You're right. Yeah. And also they reference it. <laughs> we uh, yes, we forgot to mention. Uh, A kid in daycare said you almost breaked out one. Well, uh, but, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no you. you. Go ahead. No, you. Okay. You Dee Dee and Betty. Dee Dee and Betty are watching them from the kitchen. And uh, is this what you were going to get to? I don't know where I was going, so you're going in the right direction. <laughs> Dee Dee and Betty are watching them from the kitchen. And uh, uh, Betty remembers when she was in grade school with Howard and how she used to poke him in the back. With her index she, finger. With her index finger. It took him 20 years to figure out it was just my way of saying, I like you. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so she's just bullying Howard. <laughs> there, there's the late the lady episode there's a later episode um which we'll get to i think it might be season three uh i don't know is it chucky in love or whatever there's like the little girl who's like bullying him but it's because she likes him i actually th i thought that line was from that episode for some reason but i guess not you know what yeah, i'm talking about yeah i do know what you're talking okay. about but it's actually this one <laughs> yeah yeah it would be funny if, like, there were flashbacks in it to her, like, bullying, like, a little Howard. He's like, stop it, Betty! <laughs> like, what, a what kindergarten did, classroom. What did look like when he was a kid? <laughs> <laughs> like Phil, but with clown hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he has it, like, it's just in the middle of his head. But <laughs> <laughs> the same as Phil and Lil, but it's still like a little clown. Blue and curly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. I think, finally... 
after jumping around a little bit, we're at the point where Dean does go to leave when his mom calls him and Angelica is determined to never love again. And her response is to pre- that, <laughs> Well, the babies are like, You're sorry, Angelica. Yeah, we could tell you really like Dean a lot. And her first response is to put them all in a headlock and punch them in the head. <laughs> <laughs> And then we cut back to the ride home um, where she was narrating from. And they end up back at the house. And the the, the Drew Pickles' family, their new neighbors are uh, French. Hello, you must be Drew Pickles. I am Jacqueline Dumont. Oh, hi, Jackie. He gets a little too informal with her right <laughs> off the bat. <laughs> and then uh, her little son Jean-Claude comes up. With his little beret. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I believe it's uh, E.G. Daly. Yes, that sounds like if Tommy had a French accent. You're so beautiful, or whatever <laughs> he says. Hello, Mr. Pickles. Hello, Angelica. I am, uh, how you say, pleased to meet you. Mm. I think I'm going to like it here in America. And and then we end with Angelica smiling on the hope of new love on the horizon. And I referenced possibly having Dean come back. I think it would be fun to have like a little toddler love triangle with Dean and Jean-Claude, but neither of those characters ever oh, yeah. come back. I think that would, would have been fun. But, you know, I, I think that is another like apart from Hector, that is like another episode where i thought these babies were coming back yeah and and we've we've made reference in the past to there not being a ton of continuity in season two or in the show in general but especially season two on but actually there's what two ref is there two references in this episode there's a reference to the daycare and is there one other one or am i losing my mind i don't remember it but there very well may have been but yeah anyway like it, it would have been just for continuity just to see where these stories go season one Dumb baby season. Yeah. Season two, introducing new one-off babies. Yes. Season three, imagination. Yeah, we, we we got the imagination thing all wrong. The imagination episodes, there's a couple in this season, but not like season three. Like, I, I was totally under the impression mentally that after season one, that was the majority of the show, but it really is not the case. Yeah, it's... The, I feel like every other episode that we've done so far... There's been like a new baby yeah. that they've thrown into the mix. Maybe they're seeing, trying to see what's stuck. And they finally settled on uh, Susie. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and she's only in like five or six episodes in two or season two and three combined. But um, there are definitely a lot of new characters introduced. That's a really good point. Uh, in the big house, we get like a lot of new babies. Yeah, Hector right after that. Yes. And he's my favorite of them by far. Now we got Dean. We get this Jean-Claude at the end of the episode. Yeah, and uh, there's more. I th I was going uh, over this with uh, one of our followers on Twitter. He was talking specifically about uh, Tommy on his own making friends with new babies, and yeah. I kind of misinterpreted it, and I was like, oh, yeah, he meets a ton of new babies this season. Yeah, whatever. This is... Uh... <laughs> now it just crept in my head. Uh... I don't like her, Tommy. She's got me. Man, Hector is such a good character. It, I, th I think you mentioned it in episode uh, 17 that it, he's just like a natural ally of Tommy or a natural comrade. Yeah, it would have been a good fit. Yeah, it would have been. But uh, any final thoughts on this episode whose name has already escaped me? And I do like it. Angelica's in love. Uh, it, it's a pretty good episode, but it's mostly dialogue and, uh, mm. and 
kind of situational. Like it's all based around <laughs> the babies and their view on the world, kind of. Yeah, yeah. And we are more so Dean's view. Yeah, and his influence on them. Yeah. Which that would have been something fun to see, too, is if he had come back. is like, how would he continue to mentor the babies? He's like, he's a friend, but I think I, I, I perceive him as more of a mentor, I guess. So, uh, last night, I watched the show on Netflix. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with it. The Movies That Made Us. Nope. Uh, it's a pretty good show. It has it, it, each episode is sort of a mini documentary. Like it's kind of a popcorny sort of show about like classic movies, like classic uh, blockbuster movies specifically. And I watched the episode about from season two about Forrest Gump last night and the making of which goddamn that movie almost did not get made. It almost had its budget horribly slashed, almost got so many scenes taken out of it. So many rewrites from the book coincidentally what you've been reading the book yeah uh second time first time in like i don't know 15 years yeah yeah i like to go back and revisit things after a while because uh i don't know i was probably a lot dumber back then <laughs> i assume i'm getting smarter as time goes on <laughs> that's the thing uh, about assumptions yeah <laughs> yeah forrest gump the book very different than the movie um i don't think i'm gonna like I mean, I guess spoiler warnings, if you want to read the book Forrest Gump, uh, yeah. skip ahead till we stop talking about shrimp. <laughs> <laughs> and sandwiches. And sandwiches. <laughs> Isn't he but, like 350 pounds in the book? He's like enormous, but like not fat. He's like just a huge guy. And he's uh, and he's like surly all the time. Like uh, he's getting led around like he gets he does join the football team like in the movie, but like. All the time he's talking about these goons leading him everywhere. <laughs> and like every time he's about to get in trouble, he's like, ah, oh, it looks like my dumb ass is about to get <laughs> in trouble again. Ah, he's not, it sounds like he's more of like just a big dumb redneck or something than he is like an idiot savant. Oh, well, he definitely is an idiot savant in this, but uh I don't know. He's just he's got like a, <laughs> a very like kind of a self-deprecating internal monologue, hmm. but also he doesn't like a lot of the people around him and he he basically does what most people tell him to do but he is less passive in this than he is in uh in the movie interesting because uh, you mentioned him not liking a lot of people around him i i don't think there's anybody in the movies he doesn't like except anybody that's like hurting jenny like such as the various scenes where he walks up and starts punching guys yeah i guess that, that that's where they kept his uh his knack for violence but like <laughs> in the uh in the book he becomes a wrestler at one point <laughs> this is after he's gone to space with a an orangutan that he's learned to speak fluently with <laughs> like with sign language but still this orangutan tells him a story of how he was captured and tells him the name of the orangutan that he was in love with <laughs> oh my god that's great uh, i got to say like for the most part i enjoyed the book yeah and it's kind of strange to because, you know, everybody saw the movie yep. back in the 90s, if you were alive back then. Mm. And it was so big and everybody would quote it constantly. Yes. Uh, it's like engraved in my brain. And uh, this is like an alternate version of it where uh, he does like twice as many things as he does in the uh, movie. And it's not quite as uh, hostile toward Jenny's character. Hmm. Um, like... 
you might say that it's not very hostile to her, but she like gets involved in drugs and she she dies of AIDS. <laughs> you know, you know, I've actually read it's not supposed to be AIDS she died of. It's supposed to be hepatitis C, hmm. which apparently at the time that she dies in the movie, which is actually you assume it's like the year the movie was made, but it's actually supposed to be like the 80s. Um, I guess it wasn't something that was diagnosed yet. Well, that's why I assumed it was AIDS. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But whatever, she dies of something. Yes, which (laughs) from all the sharing of needles and that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, but really she, uh, in the book... She just has a son and with Forrest still, and she marries another man. And she and Forrest is like kind of okay with it. He like he understands, <laughs> and uh, he basically uh, he ends up busking with the uh, with the gorilla or not gorilla orangutan <laughs> named Sue and Lieutenant Dan, who he never has like any turnaround moment. He is basically like he's gone. Well, he's not gone, but you know he is like used to living as a homeless man on the street. No real, like, arc or anything like that? No, except that, like, uh, you know, he loves, you know, hang- spending his time with uh, Forrest. Hmm. Interesting. The end, the end of it, like, all of his uh, people he meets along the way come to work at his company. <laughs> he runs He runs for senator. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, as, when he's running for senator, all, like, the stupid shit he's done in his life that ended up in the newspaper comes out. And he's like, ah, shit. <laughs> This is over. (laughs) (laughs) It's ruined his political aspirations. (laughs) One thing, though, is that uh, I don't know what the author was doing with this, but when Forrest is like referring to anybody of any ethnicity other than white, he refers to them with a slur. (laughs) Like, uh, I'm not going to give examples. Right, uh, right. What the fuck, though? (laughs) The people in Vietnam, like, he doesn't have any, like, explicit animosity toward them it's right. just like like he grew up around i don't know alabama people <laughs> yeah people in alabama and like i guess that's how he he just knows what to call i don't really know what they were going with with it yeah didn't you weren't you telling me when i uh earlier today that the author is it what grooms william grooms is it winston grooms. winston grooms he he felt that the movie took the edge off of his script it took the edge off of Forrest specifically, okay. like because uh yeah, Forrest sometimes he gets angry, sometimes he wants to just like kick people's ass. <laughs> you know, he talks about <laughs> he gets like frustrated with how stupid he is. Yeah. Sometimes he knows who he knows when he fucks up, he swears all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he swears he, at all in the movie. He basically abandons his mom <laughs> for wow. a long time. Yeah, so um That that show, um the movies that made us, one of the things they talk about is they felt it really wasn't that great of a book, but the idea of this kind of idiot, idiot savant character getting involved in all of these historical events, like that was the germ that like drew everybody in. And there were like, apparently a lot of writers, including Winston Grooms himself, who got like, I guess the, his, his uh, contract for the rights of the book said he got the first crack at the screenplay, but uh, that was not the one they used. no, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say it was a bad book other than, uh, what I would call outdated <laughs> descriptions of like, ah, fuck. He ends up playing, uh, chess against, uh, a cannibal. And if he knows if he loses this game, he's going to get eaten. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine if like 20 years from now that when the next remake cycle happens they're like let's remake forrest gump but take it directly from the book 
<laughs> I would love. I'd love to see it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not gonna lie. I, I, after this description from you, I would love to see it. And there actually is a book sequel, Gump Inc. Yeah, I want to read the sequel. I def. I'm. I'm interested. It's got me hooked. I actually owned it at one point in time, and I I only read part of it. And I think I was at a point where I was moving, and I had to get rid of a bunch of shit or sell a bunch of shit. That which apparently happens like once every ten years for me. But um, and I got rid of it then, and I kind of wish I wouldn't have because I would love to see what it's uh what it's all about. I'm sure you could get it for like three dollars. Yeah, probably. I think I did get it at, like Goodwill. So. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, Forrest Gump, good movie, very different book. So I am told that you have a surprise for me. Uh, yeah. Uh, you may have found <laughs> something or something has been like slipped under your door. I went to the thrift store <laughs> and, and I found like six copies of the full episode. <laughs> <laughs> so I bought them all so nobody else could, you know, move in on my monopoly. This thing. <laughs> We're going to make millions off of this. So uh, previously in this, uh, and I'm doing air quotes, lost <laughs> episode of Rugrats, <laughs> Mr. Mucklehoney, after recalling uh, his incident with Tommy and the spaghetti when he was uh, speaking with Stu about investing with Pickles toys, he decides that he wants to try eating Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> he cooks up a plan to go uh, see Stu's workshop at home so he can try and kidnap Tommy. He makes it there, but he realizes that he cannot get out of there without being observed. So he suggests they go somewhere else to eat. And so we open and Mr. Mucklehoney's car is parked in an otherwise empty lot outside of a roadside diner. Uh, the sign says Holden's Place, open 24 hours. Inside, Stu and Mr. Mucklehoney are seated in a booth. Tommy is seated next to Stu and drawing on a placemat using a crayon. The dining room is otherwise empty. Stu looks around, uh, observing the empty booths and says, I'd hate to see the midnight shift. <laughs> and then uh, a large shadow creeps over the booth and a booming voice says, That's when I do my best business, friend. I've got a lot of late night regulars. <laughs> Stu startled turns to see a large broad man, at least a foot taller than Mr. Mucklehoney. He's completely hairless and wearing an apron. His diner hat is much too small for his massive head. His name tag says Bud, and he's holding a tray with their orders. Uh, Stu goes, nervously, I didn't mean any offense, none taken. And he sets down a burger and fries in front of Stu and a dripping wet, ultra-rare steak in front of Mr. Mucklehoney. In front of Tommy, he puts a small plate of mashed potatoes. Bud says, uh, would either of you fellas like me to refresh your uh, beverages? Mr. Mucklehoney, chewing a mouthful of steak, says, I'll take a refill. <laughs> Bud pours cola into both of their glasses, then heads back toward the kitchen. Tommy slams his ha hand into his mashed potatoes, launching some onto Stu's face. Tommy, Stu says before grabbing a napkin and wiping his face. While he's distracted, Mr. Mucklehoney switches the table's ketchup bottle with one from his pocket. 
And then Mr. Mucklehoney goes, Would you like some pickles, ketchup? <laughs> I mean, would you like some ketchup pickles? <laughs> and uh, Stu, uh, pretending to laugh, says, yeah, Sure, thanks. And uh, as he's smacking the bottom of the bottle with his palm, it splatters its contents all over his food and shirt. And uh, Stu goes, Oh no, that's the third shirt this week. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Mucklehoney uh, cackles at this. <laughs> I knew I'd get you again. Ketchup bottle works every time. Why don't you go clean yourself up? We'll be fine out here, won't we, son? Tommy ignores him and looks at, at Stu as he shoves a handful of mashed potatoes into his mouth. Stu hesitating goes, Okay, if you're sure it's not too much trouble. Once Stu is gone, Mr. Mucklehoney looks around him shiftily. Nobody but he and Tommy are in the dining room. He put, uh, pulls his wallet and passport from his pocket and looks them over. His passport and ID have his photo, but Trevor Merkwood is the given name. <laughs> he, bre- he breathes a sigh of relief. All seems in order. But as he's putting them back in his pocket, Tommy knocks over Stu's drink, which flows across the table into Mr. Mucklehoney's lap. Ah, shucks. He gets up from the booth and looks down on his saturated crotch. Mr. Mucklehoney mutters to himself, I'm going to enjoy eating you, kid. (laughs) (laughs) But when he looks back up, Tommy has already slipped out of his seat. Now where did you go? And suddenly a crash is heard from the kitchen. (laughs) Aha! The kitchen is surprisingly empty, and Tommy is sitting alone on the floor with an open bottle of cooking oil. (laughs) He splashes some out and giggles. Mr. Mucklehoney creeps into the kitchen and moves toward him. I got you. But as he grabs Tommy, he's splashed by the cooking oil. And as Tommy drops the bottle on the floor, forming a pool, Tommy flies out of his arms into the air. And as Mr. Mucklehoney tries to grab him, he slips on the uh, oil slick left on the floor. And he falls on his back and slides across the room into the wall. Tommy continues to somersault through the air until he lands right on Mr. Mucklehoney's gut, causing him to go, Oof. <laughs> uh, Tommy reaches into Mr. Mucklehoney's pocket and grabs his wallet and passport. <laughs> then he makes dumb baby noises as he crawls off of him and out of frame. <laughs> oh, no, you don't. <laughs> Mr. Mucklehoney tries to get up, but his feet are too slick. He grabs onto a set of cooling racks loaded with hot pies to stabilize himself, but I cannot support him, and he pulls the entire batch down on top of him, and he falls on the floor again. After laying there for a few seconds, he pushes the rack off of himself, and he is stained purple and red with large chunks of crust stuck to him. He wipes off his face, uh, then tests his feet, but his shoes are too slick, so he takes them off. The barefoot muckle honey gets up and looks around the kitchen. He spots Tommy now on the countertop waddling toward the stove with a passport and wallet in one hand. <laughs> Mr. Muckle Honey goes, heading toward the stove, are you taunting me? Well, I'm done <laughs> taking chances. <laughs> and he pulls out a canister from his pocket na- labeled chimpanzees with three Zs. <laughs> America's number one knockout gas. Take down an ape in seconds. <laughs> He pulls the pin out of the canister, but before he can throw it, Tommy drops his passport and wallet into a pot of simmering chili. (laughs) (laughs) No, Mr. Mucklehoney yells as he drops the gas canister and rushes toward the stove. Tommy climbs down and crawls out of the dining area. Mr. Mucklehoney grabs a pair of tongs, tries to fish them out of the pot, but the gas is slowly filling the room. (laughs) He tries to fight dozing off, but he collapses on the floor knocking the pot of chili halfway over the edge of the stovetop. Outside in the dining room, Stu steps out of the bathroom, his shirt tinted red with watered-down ketchup. (laughs) 
Tommy crawls up to him. What are you doing out here, champ? You miss me? He picks uh, Tommy up. Why are you oily? <laughs> Mr. Mucklehoney. Back in the kitchen, Mr. Mucklehoney is lying on the floor snoring. He kicks the stove in his sleep, knocking the hot pot of chili down onto himself. <laughs> we cut back to the dining room and we hear a scream. And so seconds later, Mr. Mucklehoney storms out of the kitchen <laughs> with bits of pie and chunks of chili on his suit and bright pink burns all over his face. <laughs> When we see Stu, his fury turns to fear. Uh, Stu, uh, dis- a bit distressed, goes, Mr. Mucklehoney, I'm so sorry. I know he can be a handful. <laughs> Mr. Mucklehoney cuts him off. Pickles, I'll level with you. I'm desperate. I'll give you anything. I'll make you an exclusive contractor. I'll pay for every half-baked ideal you got. I'll even pay off the regulators. And Stu goes, Re- really? That's amazing. Yes. <laughs> and we can say it was an accident or he wandered off or we couldn't find him. Nobody needs to know anything. <laughs> And Stu, very confused and kind of scared, stares off with unfocused pupils. I think I'm going to go call my wife to pick me up. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Mucklehoney goes, wait, Pickles, wait. And uh, Stu exits the diner carrying Tommy, leaving a crazed shoeless Mr. Mucklehoney covered in pie, chili, and burns. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Mucklehoney, defeated, goes, no, no, I'm ruined. (laughs) And then a, a voice from behind him goes, Do you believe it's all over, son? And Mr. Mucklehoney turns to see Bud looking over him with a wide grin. Oh, what's over? And he goes, Bud goes, I know what you came here for. <laughs> and Mr. Mucklehoney goes, Of course you do. I ordered a steak directly from you. <laughs> Seemed a bit overcooked, in my opinion. <laughs> and Bud says, That's what you ordered, but that's not why you're here. <laughs> and Mr. Mucklehoney says, I'm here for the same reason anyone else would be. And, uh... <laughs> Bud goes, that's closer to the truth than you realize. I cater to people with eccentric tastes if you catch my meaning. <laughs> Mr. Mucklehoney goes, if you know so much, you have to realize I got to get out of here fast. Pickles might. And then Bud cuts him off. He goes, I can help you with that. No one will be able to trace you. <laughs> A bell, uh, the bell rings as the door opens and two uh, new customers walk in, uh, staring briefly at the spectacle of Mucklehoney. Before taking a seat at the counter, Bud quietly says, meet me behind the diner, the rear entrance in 10 minutes. Bud leaves Mucklehoney and walks over to the counter, pulling out a notepad and pen to take the customer's order. Okay, we cut to the rear of the diner. Mr. Mucklehoney stands nervously at the door and is about to knock. Bud goes, it's open. And Mr. Mucklehoney cautiously cautiously opens the door and steps through. Inside, Bud is sitting on a chest freezer before he pushes himself to his feet. Before he pushes himself to his feet, uh, he gathers Mr. Mucklehoney in his arms. He kicks the door and it closes with a hard slam as we hear Mr. Mucklehoney's muffled screams. <laughs> we cut to a digital clock face. It says 3 a.m. Dee Dee is fast asleep and Stu is in his yellow pajamas lying on his side. Then we cut to his face and his eyes are wide open and he looks troubled. Tommy is fast asleep in his crib and an ID with the name Trevor Merkwood falls out of his diaper. <laughs> Back at the diner, the place is packed. There are parties at every booth, and the sounds of laughter fills the air. And uh, somebody puts a quarter in the jukebox and selects some old-timey fiddle music. Bud comes out of the kitchen, bouncing to the beat as he carries two pies the size of manhole covers, of one on each shoulder. He places them down on the counter, slices it, and deftly distributes the slices to a row of plates. He grabs one plate and dances to the music, twirling, very light on his feet as he moves across the room and places it on the table in front of a, of a guest. The man has a wa- long white locks, a black hat, and rosy cheeks. He looks like the man on the oatmeal box. <laughs> <laughs> he 
Uh, Bud says loudly, mincemeat pie is on the house. <laughs> he dances back to the pie, miming a fiddle before grabbing another slice. This one, he dances over Dr. Le- to Dr. Lecter, Chucky's <laughs> pediatrician. Over in a corner booth, Snow, Trickham, and Steel are uh, chatting with Howard DeVille. <laughs> Howard goes, so you're saying you could cast my twins in a diaper commercial? <laughs> and Steele is on the phone, and he's talking to Leo again. Leo, he's bringing some pies over to the table now. All right, all right, I'll ask him. Bud dances over and drops the plate in front of each, in front of everyone at the table. Steele goes, hey, Mr. Holden, Leo wants to know how you managed to keep this place open 24 hours all by yourself. Bud goes, call me Bud, and I tell you, and tell him I never sleep. He could have come over and asked him himself. I don't believe he's ever tried my pie. And Steele says, thank you, bud. And then he goes to Leo, what was it? Or what was that? (laughs) Oh, he never sleeps, he says. And you've never tried his pie. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I don't know if he was joking, Leo, but a man's got to sleep, don't he? Cut to outside. We hear the hiss of air brakes and then the idling engine of a garbage truck. Larry and Steve walk over to the dumpster uh, outside of uh, the diner. And uh, Steve's like, what are we looking for, moldy? What are we looking for, moldy fries? And Larry goes, dude, you'll never know if you don't look. Didn't I score you that rad skull? That (laughs) box of magazines? And then Steve gets embarrassed and goes, you're right, you're right, but keep it down. Larry peers over the top of the dumpster. Whoa, looks like a butchered clown's clothes. (laughs) (laughs) And Steve goes, looks more like a wacky uncle style to me. And it's just pie. Look, there's... Tons of smashed up pie over there. There he goes. Ah, bogus. I thought we found something cool. (laughs) They start uh, guiding the garbage truck back toward the dumpster. It grabs it, lifts it up, and dumps its contents into the back. Larry and uh, Steve, uh, it sets it back down, then Larry and Steve climb on. (laughs) Steve goes, what would you do if it was a butchered clown? (laughs) Larry goes, I totally would have kept it. He goes, would not. Larry goes, yeah, I would. <laughs> Chuck's engine begins to rev and they drive off. <laughs> so so we should know that uh, this this explains something. The reason that we never saw Mr. Mucklehoney again is that in this lost episode, he actually dies and is eaten. <laughs> <laughs> also, I, t- I, t- I totally thought that the owner, uh, Bud... Of this diner, I thought for sure his name was gonna be Gus. Cheeseburger, uh, what's the big deal? Ain't you never seen a guy with a knife in his head? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I was thinking of Gus a little bit, the tiny <laughs> diner hat. Yeah, but um, yeah, uh, I'll just come out and say that a lot of the ending uh, contains some parody of Blood Meridian. <laughs> oh, okay, I haven't read it so. So thus, we've come to the end of this Rug Race Lost episode. It, uh, what a tremendous road it's been. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever seen the movie Fried Green Tomatoes? Yes, I have. <laughs> <laughs> Hog boiling season. <laughs> this here is the best barbecue I ever had. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The similar, similar uh, subject matter. Yes. That being cannibalism. We're <laughs> <laughs> cannibalistic encyclopedias.
Oh, boy. So, the second segment we watched for this week was something. <laughs> Ice Cream Mountain. Yes, Ice Cream Mountain. This one was written by Chip Johannesson. And this guy went on to be a showrunner for the show Dexter, the serial killer one. <laughs> no cannibalism. Lab. And uh, produce, he produced Beverly Hills 90210, a number of episodes. And I think uh, Homeland as well. Okay. Yeah, he he did a lot of stuff after this. But first he wrote Ice Cream Mountain. Most importantly, <laughs> he wrote Ice Most, Cream Mountain. <laughs> Stu and Drew are nostalgic for a sleazy mini golf park. <laughs> they let the babies roam off immediately to go find a mythical mountain of ice cream while they yell at each other a lot. <laughs> and that's my description of the episode. It's kind of perfect. I, I'm just going to say right off the bat, they're neglect of the children in this episode is some of the the greatest ever like landmark <laughs> negligence yeah landmark negligence like they're they're in the car angelica's screaming daddy 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 what is it cupcake <laughs> like they don't <laughs> notice and they're they're discussing real ice cream and how it's all weird nowadays not this crazy frozen yogurt gelato rice stuff daddy and they had real flavors too like chocolate vanilla strawberry and this meatloaf chunk or avocado swirl they arrive at this miniature golf place because they they can't pay attention to the kids long enough to get them ice cream first and they're <laughs> yeah. like they're like they leave the kids in the car because they want to go golfing oh miniature golf the sport of kings after you no 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 after you oh but i insist oh no 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 i insist the kids the the babies are completely out of Stu and drew's mind like <laughs> <laughs> i know i know they uh they're just like putting and yeah. uh, betting with each other you say to a little bet i mean just to make things interesting say five bucks a hole shame on you drew betting is a bad bad thing make it ten the babies don't even have to do anything to sneak off they just leave <laughs> yeah there's there's no attempt to like let's go when the adults aren't looking or anything like that it's just like okay let's go find the mountain and they go yeah and uh in this uh mini golf park they meet a sleazy uh sleazy man named earl Skaggs. yes <laughs> It kind of reminds me of like the John Waters character from The Simpsons. He kind of looks like John Waters, too. That's a good point. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Wow. They meet John Waters. Yeah, they meet John Waters, who is a sleazy miniature golf proprietor. Sleazy in the good John Waters. Yeah, yes. Listen, man, she's sleazy and not in the good John Waters way. There's a moment whenever they're sitting in in the pro shop when Skaggs is selling uh, Stu and Drew on this like technological putter. The babies are all sitting there playing with like the the uh, with balls. And I think that is it. What is it? What the heck of the little stands called? Is it, they call that the birdie? The tees? The tee. Yeah, yeah. What the hell is the birdie? I think that's like a certain like if you get badminton. a certain under the average or something. Or oh, yeah, yeah, there's Bird, also badminton Bird, too. Birdie is uh I think is one under. Yeah, something something like that. But anyways, they're the babies are sitting there playing with it and Angelica's like Hi Tommy, what you guys doing? This made me laugh perhaps most of anything in the episode. Tommy says in the most dry voice, Nothing, Angelica. What are you doing? Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I gotta watch it just <laughs> It's so <Yeah>. dry. <laughs> They're just like um, sitting there playing with these golf balls. But yeah, great, great, great moment. Made me laugh really hard. And <laughs> that's when she mentions the uh, ice cream mountain, having, se having seen it. And they go on their quest to find it. 
in this miniature golf course. Yeah. Before we get too far, I got to say that that putter that they're playing <laughs> around with the high tech one. I think it's a reference to like Caddyshack and Rodney Dangerfield's high tech putter that he has. In oh, yeah, yeah. Like, that's a that's a good point for like one scene. Something that also made me laugh really hard about that is like they uh, Skaggs, he's like, here's your beginner putters. And they're like, wait a minute, we're not beginners. And he's like, and Skaggs is like, I didn't think you wanted to rent one of these, like, which is what the pros use. And I'm just thinking, like, are there pro miniature golfers out there? Yeah, pro miniature golfers that use uh, (laughs) clubs that make it basically like cheating. (laughs) You know, when I was little, I, I asked my mom about clubs like this. Like, I, I I think I was like a really dumb kid. And I like had the assumption that these were real things. Well, Rodney Dangerfield did have one. So, ha, mother. He also <laughs> had a golf bag that played loud music that everybody could dance to. <laughs> Man, I need to watch Caddyshack again. It's been a but, long uh, time. Anyway. Also, before we get to the main adventure, there's like a poster that says Goofy on it. <laughs> the sexy lady. <laughs> the- in the shop i just thought that was funny i did not see that pointing out so yeah they go around the the park and we kind of observe it through chucky's eyes because there's like what a castle and I don't know what else he says ah about. And he accidentally goes up into this like cannibal totem with like steam coming out of it, which scares the shit out of him. <laughs> and he oh, knocks yeah. everyone over in front of a windmill. And as Angelica's berating him, we get another well-placed windmill coming down to pick Chucky up into the air. A trope of the series. Yeah, I know, I know. And this is after he said, uh... And they're all horribly offended by the thought. Yeah, and uh, I don't even see what this windmill catches on Chucky. Yeah, unlike in the season one episodes, there's not a moment where like a diaper comes up for a second. It just hooks him. (laughs) (laughs) And then at various moments, he's like sitting on it. it. Yeah. And then he's like hanging from it. (laughs) He is so enamored with Ice Cream Mountain that he's no longer scared to be on this windmill. And he is like riding it with such skill. Yeah. And I, I love when he gets down, he describes seeing it. It's got gumdrops and cherries and marshmallow and all kinds of stuff. And it's real, real big. Bigger than a cloud. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I, always, I thought he said cloud. No, I thought he said clown. Well, whatever he said, it's bigger <laughs> than it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, bigger than a clown and a cloud. But eventually they finally come face to face with Ice Cream Mountain, but they're being stopped by a gingerbread man. And I love how Tommy's like, But Angelica, that's a gingerbread man. How are we going to get past the gingerbread man? They can't just walk around it. Yeah, I know. And there is space yeah. to walk around it. Yeah, there's definitely space to walk around it. But <laughs> he's a big, scary cookie. Yeah. And uh, I guess if it could stop a golf ball, it could stop a baby. <laughs> And there's the quote of the episode. If I could stop a golf ball, it could probably stop a baby. Um, (laughs) But as it goes back into its hole, they run across and they come to this giant miniature golf ice cream mountain. And Angelica says, I give you ice cream mountain. Dig in. 
and the babies then all proceed to give themselves concussions by ramming into <laughs> it head first. Teeth first. <laughs> those those who have teeth. <laughs> they all have teeth. Tommy just has one. Oh, you're right. You're right. <laughs> he can't eat carrot sticks, but he can eat ice cream. <laughs> and I, and I, I know that sounded like I was picking at the show, but that's true. <laughs> one yeah. tooth you can. Yeah. So there. Refer refer back to the uh, the junk food kid episode, whatever the hell that's called. I already <laughs> forgot. Go uh, down at Peter Tutter Gulch. Yes, thank you. And then they, then anyway, they determine that it's well. First, they say it's rock hard. Maybe it's frozen, but it's not even cold. So then they think maybe the good stuff is inside, and they see there's a little hatch. And they go inside, and the only thing they find is three little holes, one labeled left side, one labeled hole-in-one, and one labeled right side. And the hole-in-one one has been, like, stopped up with newspaper, which they move to the other holes. And uh, we cut back to Stu and Drew, who are going slow as fuck, because they're both insisting that the other one go first. And a crowd of Michael Bells is yelling at them behind. <laughs> come on, come on! Getting any younger back here! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I think it's all Michael Bell, maybe one Howard, one Phil Proctor, <laughs> uh, who also has clown hair. Yeah, we uh, got this clown hair guy again. This is like the fourth time we've seen him <laughs> with like slightly different, slight alterations to his character design. I think he may have been in the movie theater episode in season one, if I'm not mistaken. He, I think he was also in the uh, in the first Mr. Mr. Mucklehoney episode. Uh, oh, the chef. Right. Yeah, as a chef. Yes. The first one, because there is a lost episode. Yes, that we just discussed. <laughs> <laughs> but don't um, tell anyone. But yeah, you're, you're completely right. <laughs> it is pretty much all Michael Bell yelling, <laughs> yelling at Stu and Drew, which one of which is half Michael. So it's half Michael Bell. Yeah. It's basically like four <laughs> Michael Bells yelling at Stu. <laughs> Did you notice Stu's hat has like holes in the side and his hair is like coming out? No, I didn't see <laughs> the size of his baseball cap. It's like they meant to, you know, the little uh, adjuster thing in the back. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. It's like where your hair would come out of that, but out at the side, <laughs> both sides. I love the Rugrats animation design. It's so absurd and wonderful. Uh, <laughs> uh, but Earl Skaggs comes up and tells them, come on fellas you guys are practically pros why don't you both just hit your balls at the same time thanks to the accidental efforts of the babies inside of ice cream mountain they both make a hole in one and then the army of michael bells also make hole in ones <laughs> hey if those guys can get a hole in one anybody can hey that guy got a And over like five free games of mini golf. Yeah, he, he he runs such like a thin line, like operating costs that like any any amount of hole in ones will totally ruin him. He's uh, actually not that sleazy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's just desperate to feed his family. But then they're like, uh, they win all these free games and Stu and Drew are suggesting that maybe that the kids can play because they haven't been paying attention to them. And then they're like, Angelica's like bawling, saying... <laughs> And the other babies just have the most depressed looks on their faces, like looking up at the adults. They ultimately do get a big mountain of ice cream. One of those giant bowls, multicolored ice cream, looks like nuts, chocolate syrup, hot fudge, a cherry on top. There's peppermint sticking in it. And peppermint uh, sticking in it. 
I don't know if you've ever had like one of, you've gone to one of those frozen yogurt places where you can put toppings on the ice cream. Yeah. Don't ever put any other kind of candy on top of it. It gets rock hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can't imagine unless it was like shaved really, really finely uh, having like a peppermint stick or like a peppermint, just like a peppermint. Yeah. That'd be like a nightmare. Maybe that's like the last thing you eat for like to like freshen your breath as if you haven't had enough sugar. <laughs> I I tend to get Swedish fish put on top of mine and not because I think it would taste good with it. I just like Swedish fish. <laughs> you and just then, save like, them for later. It's always like rock hard and my I basically <laughs> glue my mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> need to get a video of you doing that. But yeah, Angelica's kept their promise. They get a whole mountain full of ice cream and we cut to the credits and all throughout you can hear the babies and Angelica eating the ice cream. <laughs> Yeah, is this the first time they've done that where they haven't just done the theme song at the end? I was just going to say that this happens multiple times throughout the series, but I think this is sometimes it's like a different track. Sometimes I think maybe there's like laughter or like muttered conversation. And most of the time, it's just like a different piece of the soundtrack, if I haven't said that already. And I probably did. But my worm brain is forgetting. But it's them eating and uh, joyfully and ending with Chucky burping. <laughs> and I do think it's the first time. Um, and have you ever actually, uh, you know, certain places like ice cream places or restaurants will have like something like that, like the big challenge kind of ice cream or something like that. Never done it. Neither I have I. Ice cream. No. Uh, and I do remember once years and years ago, my dumb band went to like a restaurant. I think we've referenced on the show before called Kings. Uh, that's sort of like in the area where we're from. It's like a local chain. And they had a big, big Sunday like that. And I was researching it after watching this episode. And I believe it's called an angry mob. And this restaurant Kings has instead of brownies, they have frownies, which are like chocolate brownies that have like frowny faces drawn on them. And this thing is 16 brownies, 16 scoops of vanilla and chocolate ice cream, whipped cream, cherries and chocolate sauce. And I also did research and there are tons of other ones at like uh, I, I found an entire list on the website delish.com. 20 outrageous ice cream sundaes from across the U.S. And I'm not going to go through all of them, but this first one here, just because it's so absurd, the nine pound humongous banana split. You can buy it at the Polka Dot in Fairmont, West Virginia, and it is comprised of nine one pound scoops of ice cream in vanilla, chocolate and strawberry on a whipped cream base topped with chocolate, strawberry and pineapple sauces, more whipped cream, sprinkles cherries, nuts, and bananas for $18.99. I can safely say I will never try that. <laughs> Why are they allowed to sell like food that's going to kill you? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I don't know. Uh, I've observed people trying it before, but it was always like a group of people. Um, but I, I have no, even when I was little and like these absurd things are more appealing, like it did not appeal to me all that much. Yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, well, I don't know. Actually, I think watching these, I always wanted the big thing of ice cream. Yeah. Even though as a kid, like I probably just have like a scoop or two at most. But uh, the one other like uh. connection, the one other connection I can make with this uh, is like, uh, you remember the Simpsons episode where uh, Bart like goes in with a coupon for a free ice cream and she gives it to him and it's like a thimble full of ice cream. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And then uh, he goes uh, to the person who served it to him and she's like an older lady. There's like 
very overweight. And he goes, you know, I was just wondering how somebody that works in an ice cream shop keeps such a trim figure. (laughs) And she goes, I've misjudged you. And she gives him a giant sundae like the one the regrets are eating. <laughs> That's great. For free. That, that reminds me when I was little going to like McDonald's and they would give little kids a free cone. But it was like one of those really, really tiny ones that just had like one little bite of ice cream on the top. Um, it also reminds me, and maybe this influenced my desire to never eat one of these giant sundaes with my grandmother going to Dairy Queen. And for whatever reason, in my little kid worm brain, becoming obsessed with the idea of having an ice cream cone in each hand. Like, I don't know (laughs) if there was like a commercial or a movie or a TV show like of a kid like going back and forth between cones. So we did that one day and I started doing that and I got the worst stomach ache and I was crying (laughs) like I couldn't eat it. Yeah, basically, those sorts of things are better left to the imagination. This is so tangential, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm remembering the time we went to the hot dog shop (laughs) and I ordered a chili dog, but it was a hot dog and it was listed as having sauce. Yeah. (laughs) And I go to the late, I say to the lady, she's like an old lady. uh, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I don't want to say she looks dirty, but she just looks like. She'd been working in a hot dog shop all day. Yeah, she's been working in a hot dog shop all day. And I go, what kind of sauce is on the hot dog? And she says to me, hot dog sauce. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember, like, (laughs) being very disgusted (laughs) at that. But I think I still ordered it. Yeah, you did. I I remember this. I ordered it on on the risk because I had just like tried chili dogs. Yeah. Like a few months before or something. And I was like really wanting another one. Yeah. And and, and it was like a Coney style chili, like a thin, a thinner kind of like actual sauce, not like a chili chili. But, um, but yeah, hot dog sauce. (laughs) And if I want to make another media (laughs) connection, she reminded me of the uh, old lady in Matilda that makes that giant cake that says her blood sweat and tears went into it <laughs> and the little kid the little fat kid has to eat the whole thing man it's been so long since i've seen that movie and i feel like a reference to it comes up to me every like couple months and i barely remember anything about it but i do remember that scene i feel like she was like an old lady with like dirty arms <laughs> <laughs> well when you're putting hot dogs up your arm and putting the mustard on them in a row before you wrap them <laughs> They have to roll the hot dogs down their arm into the <laughs> little rotator. <laughs> that that that's uh, people uh, visually. That's very funny. But like as far as actually putting like buns up someone's arm and putting the mustard on them, that's a very standard thing in like hot dog shops. Really? Yes. Uh, I, I I I don't like hot dogs, but I uh, for whatever reason. I really like the idea of them. So if there's like different <laughs> documentaries about like diners and hot dog shops and places like that, I, I love to, I, I'll watch anything like that. I love shit like that. We're going to call this a hot dog program. And we apologize in advance if we don't get to your favorite stand. And there are so many hot dog shops where they're like, they have them like lined up. And I swear I remember in one, a lady had like six lined up her arm and she's like, I can do eight, but the owner only lets me do six. but uh anyway hot dogs hot dog sauce (laughs) i've been waiting to break out hot dogs (laughs) 
that's one of the references that you bring up every like couple of years or maybe once a year that I love and it'll leave my mind and it always brings me great joy to have it brought back into my life. <laughs> just, I, it's just hilarious to think back at like the, the moment of like kind of terror and disgust when she just when she what kind of sauce is it on the hot dog and she just gets hot dog sauce like, that tells me anything yeah yeah and what well, you're you're what's really funny is like that did even though it was like a moment of terror it didn't dissuade you from ordering it either yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. I typically ignore alarm alarm warnings in my brain. <laughs> but I, I had recommended this place, so and I got my grilled cheese and fries with chili sauce. But anyway, folks, with that delightful story about hot dog sauce, we we did a lot on the show this week. I, I think feels like we did a yeah. lot of a lot of different talk. Um. Less about the actual show than perhaps ever before. Yeah. But that's that seems to be the nature of season two. Good episodes, but um, maybe not as much to talk about. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think you're right because, uh, yeah, fuck. First ep- Well, first episode we did like and we did the pilot and like a 30 minute episode. Yeah, so. yeah. So we can't really compare it to that. But even the rest of the season one episodes, we've had a lot more to say for this is just like running through the plot and occasionally something makes us laugh like really hard. But and again, yeah. you have to go back to the point where Tommy's like, nothing, Angelica. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> it's just so dry. Yeah. Anyway, a lot of fun, as always, on the show. And what are we looking at next week? Next week, we got uh, regarding Stewie <laughs> and garage sale. Both. Excellent episodes uh, regarding Stewie is one of probably, if not my favorite of the season two and three episodes. It's just so absurd to see Stu hit his head and turn into a giant baby that is suddenly capable of talking to the babies. Yeah, or, well, maybe we'll talk about this next week. Alternate theories. <laughs> okay, yes, alternate theories. That's a spoiler, or uh, not a spoiler, a teaser for you folks out there. And another teaser, um, a friend of ours that we've made fun of a lot, um, not John, our other friend may be joining us. And if he's not, we'll make fun of him even more on the air and talk about what a loser he is <laughs> for being afraid to appear with us. <laughs> and he won't even hear this until after he no. decides not to be on <laughs> or to be on. So that's even better. So, Trevor Merkwood, you're a loser. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, we will see you here next week uh, for episode uh, 20, I believe. Wow. Getting into the 20s of the show. Episode 20 of Because I've Lost Control of My Life. As always, thanks so much for listening and have a great week. Like what you heard? Tune in Sundays at 7 p.m. to all of your favorite podcasting platforms or go to lostcontrolpod.com for new episodes of Because I've Lost Control of My Life. You can also email us at lostcontrolpod at gmail.com. That's lostcontrolpod at gmail.com. You're going to be classy, straight to trashy. <laughs> <laughs>